All right, everybody, back at it with this third episode of the Higher Takes podcast where I kind of talk about the teams that I watch the most that I think I, I know the most about, uh, like the Nuggets, like the Broncos, like Ohio State, and like their rival, Michigan, uh, who we'll talk about a lot in this episode. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be like a little Nuggets check-in, uh, Broncos-Bills pregame, you know, kind of breakdown, get my prediction for for what I think might happen in that game and and the score prediction can the Broncos somehow win at Buffalo to kind of get back into the playoff hunt a little bit we'll see um but yeah I wanted to talk a lot about this whole Michigan football sign stealing scandal that's kind of been you know sweeping the headlines throughout the sports world for the past month um but it's been a minute since I've had kind of the chance to to record um, and so I haven't been able to talk about it yet. So I'm excited to get into that. Uh, I think there's kind of, we'll just start with that right now. Uh, I think there's kind of two sides to the story here. I think there's like theoretical evidence, uh, about like, you know, the, the, the benefits of, of the, the sign stealing that, that Michigan, um, looks like <laughs> they've occurred. And then there's the actual evidence that does say that they, they stole signs. Um, so we'll get into both of those things. Um, I wanted to start out with the the theoretical evidence at first. Uh, you know, basically the whole situation is there is this guy Connor Stallions on Michigan, um, who I guess <laughs> maybe went rogue or something. But um, you know, obviously within the Michigan program, and it seems like Michigan coaches knew knew what was up. Um, but basically, Stallions had this like five hundred page Michigan manifesto that he and, and his friends around the NCAA uh, wrote up about how they were going to take over Michigan football. Um, this, this, this random low-level guy who no one has really ever heard of, that is what you know Michigan's kind of claiming and, and what Harbaugh and the coaches are kind of claiming is that they had no direct relationship with this guy who just all of a sudden went rogue and started stealing signs and stuff like that. But um, yeah, some of the theoretical kind of evidence before hiring Connor Sellings, who's hired... Uh, 2021, so like the 2020 season and prior for Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh uh, 69 and 24 with a plus 15.8 score differential. Um, and they were 0 and 5, uh, should have been 0 and 6 to Ohio State, but obviously they canceled that that game in 2020, um, which I think should be counted as an Ohio State win. I mean, come on, Ohio State was willing to play in that game. Uh, obviously, Michigan was terrible in 2020. They had they were 2 and 4. Uh, you know, Harbaugh hadn't beaten Ohio State up to that point. Um, it was an extremely good Ohio State team against a really bad Michigan team. Um, so, yeah, probably would have been 0-6, but hey, he canceled it. So, um, yeah, that that's not on the record. Um, and then, you know, he couldn't beat Michigan State as well. So there, there were even talks about how in 2020, uh, you know, Michigan might look to move on from Jim Harbaugh and fire him. Because he was brought in to beat Ohio State, who they hadn't beaten um, in a while before Harbaugh even got there. He was brought in to beat Michigan State, and he was losing to both of those teams regularly. Uh, up until they hired this dude, Connor Stallion. So since 2021, Michigan is 21-1. and one. I think now they're like 22 or 23-1, and one, but this is... Um, you know, that, that was... Stallions has been fired for... or suspended for the past month, so... Um, the record is like better, but 
Stallions wasn't part of these teams. So with Stallions, still part of Michigan, they were 21-1 and with a 28.1 score differential. So that's plus 13 score differential. They haven't lost to Ohio State since. Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of like theoretical, like, okay, maybe the sign ceiling stuff actually did help them win games a lot. Um, And, you know, obviously, as I was saying, that there were talks about Harbaugh potentially being fired around 2020, only played six games in the COVID season. That's a lot of time to try to come up with something (laughs) to try to keep your job. Uh, So maybe he came up with this little scheme to give themselves the upper hand. Uh, And clearly it seems like it's worked. Um, You know, if you're, if you're trying to make the case that the sign stealing didn't really help them win and it's like, Oh, they're just better coach. They got better talent. Do they? They don't really. Their recruiting hasn't been any better since, um, before 2020, uh, the, the 2020 recruiting class for them didn't include a single five star. They were 12th overall. Um, the 2021 recruiting class, they were 13th overall uh, with one five star. 2022, they are 12th overall, zero five stars. I mean, you look at that compared to Ohio State, who is considered or is always, you know, top three and they get four or five uh, five stars per year. Um, and so the talent difference should be, you know, pretty big, should be a pretty big gap, but Michigan has managed to stay at the top of the, the college football hierarchy, um, even without recruiting too well. Um, so yeah, it could be good coaching or they could, and they might've gotten a lot of help from this stuff too. Um, also another like theoretical thing, they lost to TCU, in the college football playoff, who ended up getting absolutely embarrassed by Georgia and then obviously lost to Colorado in week one of this year. Uh, different quarterback, different year, but same coach and, you know, a lot of the same players as well uh, that lost to CU, who <laughs> doesn't look that good right now. So um, that was kind of an embarrassing loss by Michigan against TCU. Michigan was, was you know, heavily favorited, but they didn't know TCU was going to be on their schedule. Um, and so maybe they didn't have the signs uh, for TCU to, to, to try to help them out. Um, all right. So that's kind of like the theoretical stuff, actual evidence. Uh, so there's a, a clip of Greg Schiano at halftime against Michigan week four of this season that, that people were kind of confused about like what he was talking about. Um, but it makes a lot more sense now. And so let me see if I can, if I can play this right now, hopefully like, the mic will pick it up, but this is what he said at halftime, week four of this year at Michigan. Four penalties for your team in the first half, some that cost you. How do you clean that up in the second half? Well, there's some stuff going on out there, so we just got to slow it down a little bit. There's some things going on that aren't right as well, so we'll talk about how to handle it. All right, so things that are going on that aren't right. Um, you know, very vague statement at that time. People like had no idea what he was talking about, but... Now it looks very obvious that, um, you know, Shiano and Rutgers felt that Michigan, you know, had some, had their signs and stuff. And even produce coach Ryan Walters on his radio show uh, said that it happened and there's ticket purchases and sales that you can go back and track. uh, And he knows for a fact uh, that Michigan scouted his team numerous times. So, uh, you know, coaches feel like that there's been a bunch of cheating going on. And then ESPN 
and Pete Thamel, they reported uh, that there's concrete evidence that Stallions went to 30-plus games over the past three years, all future opponents of Michigan football uh, for that year on their schedule, and illegally recorded the opposing team's sidelines, uh, including he bought two tickets on on each side of the sideline for the Week 8 Penn State at Ohio State game, obviously both teams um, on Michigan's schedule uh, in the future, and he bought tickets to both the sidelines, but he was suspended before he could go. Um, there was... People found his Venmo, people found his his LinkedIn. His LinkedIn described him as like being this mastermind guy who comes up with schemes to give his team an opposing edge over the other team. That was his, his description on LinkedIn. Uh, and then they also found, found his Venmo, uh, which looks like a cover-up for all of his purchases. He was listing all these, all these uh, purchases as like he was buying shirts or something or selling shirts, uh, but they all happened like the day before a game. Um, and then there are some descriptions that say, you know, just UGA, you know, Georgia, uh, who they would have played in the national championship game, obviously, um, if they had beat TCU. So, yeah, Venmo has popped up. Um, Jim Harbaugh, his whole thing around this is still kind of confusing. Did he know? Did he not know? It seems like you you should know if you're the head coach of a team and there's this whole sign stealing scheme going on where one of your staff members is going to games and recording teams and then coming back and <laughs> talking to the OC, the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator during games. Um, seems like Harbaugh probably should have known what's going on. So he says that he had no relationship with stallions. However, there's been, there's been multiple videos of him celebrating <laughs> with Harbaugh um, and then standing right next to the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator during games, you know, like being in their ear. Um, and then there's also this whole central Michigan mystery person on the sidelines where central Michigan still hasn't identified who this guy was on their sidelines, which is weird because, you know, if they knew someone had, you know, someone would speak up one of the coaches who maybe gave this guy a pass to the sideline um, would have spoken up. Basically, there's this random mystery guy in sunglasses, by the way. Uh, it's like a 7 p.m. game. So <laughs> he's in sunglasses the entire time. It goes from like 7 to 10 p.m. And he's in sunglasses. It's completely dark the entire game. Um, you know, where's sunglasses? Where's a hat? Very basic, just Central Michigan t-shirt. Um, and nobody knows who he is <laughs> somehow. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Central Michigan investigating that. Could be Connor Stallions because they were playing Michigan State, uh, who was a future opponent of Michigan, and this mystery person is on the sideline. There's even video of possibly the sunglasses having a little recorder in the top right. Um, there's this video of like you can see kind of the blue light recording, but I don't know if that's you know photoshopped or whatever. But um, still, really, really weird that they haven't figured out who this guy standing on their sidelines next to the coaches was. Um, and then, yeah, Big Ten ends up finding all this incriminating evidence. Tony Petiti sends them a letter uh, basically telling them that, you know, Harbaugh is not going to be on the sidelines for the rest of the season. Um, but he, he, he sends a 13-page letter to him that basically stated, this is a quick summary of it. <laughs> he basically said, you cheated and we have proof. It wasn't something that happened once or twice. It was spread across three seasons. You know you cheated because we have the same evidence that you do. Um, 
you are not denying that you cheated. You're arguing about procedures and deflecting blame because that's exactly what Michigan did. So when like Harbaugh was suspended, they came back um, and, and, and said that, you know, <laughs> that the, the legal, it should have taken much longer for this process to play out uh, that this, this um, kind of the incriminating stuff, the suspension uh, was, you know, way too, it happened way too quickly without uh, the due process. Um, and, and they suspended him on Veterans Day. So the courts are closed, I guess. So they couldn't, um, you know, file, a, they wanted to file a restraining order against the Big Ten to keep Harbaugh on the sidelines. Um, Michigan's athletic director said that he finds it completely unethical and insulting on the NCAA and an ins- and a assault on the rights of everyone, especially in the Big Ten, uh, that that this wasn't a fair and complete investigation. So they're not saying that they didn't cheat. They're basically just spinning the blame on the Big Ten, um, saying that it's completely unethical to come up with this suspension this quickly, even though there's all this evidence. <laughs> um, Santa Ono, the uh, president of the University of Michigan, he started this whole kind of adversity thing. Um He's saying he, he tweeted out countless members of the University of Michigan family have reached out to me over the weekend. And I wanted to express my appreciation. Like any community, we face our share of challenges and adversity. There have been many such moments in our history. But our team showed out yesterday, whatever, whatever. So he's basically saying the adversity. Like that cheating equals ever. I, I don't understand that. They cheated, and now all of a sudden the punishment coming for them is adversity that they have to face. Like, it that does that make any sense? <laughs> what if you what if you let's just say you commit a murder and then you get a life sentence because you should, and but now you think, wait, 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 no, 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 this is everything's going against me. This is just this is adversity, um, even though you clearly did the crime um, and you have to be punished for it. I mean, it's kind of like childish. It's like a little kid getting put in timeout and then crying because they think everything in the world is against them, even though they were the one that messed up. So <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, Santa needs to worry about putting Harbaugh on the naughty list or something like that. I mean, not not about, you know, the adversity and the challenges and all this other stuff that he's doing. Um, so yeah, now they've adopted this whole Michigan versus everybody victim mindset um Sharon Moore their offensive coordinator who was put in the position to to be the the acting head coach on the sideline um without Harbaugh he broke down crying acting like Jim Harbaugh was dying um when in reality Harbaugh was about a block away in his hotel room watching the game on his TV and you know I understand the emotions it's tough for Moore who you know was just put in that spot like 11 hours before the game it makes sense and it's a it's a tough win at Penn State, um, obviously, like all this this noise surrounding Michigan, um, probably is you know taking a you know whatever a, a hit on their on their players and on their coaching staff. So um, I mean, it's definitely been tough for them, but yeah, it was just kind of weird. Like you guys put yourself in this position, so I, I <laughs> and now all of a sudden you're crying about about Harbaugh, who's literally just five minutes away um, and is not 
sick or anything like that. Like he's, <laughs> so I don't know. It's just, it's just Michigan. Um, and now Harbaugh today, he comes out and says that Michigan should be America's team um, because of all the adversity, you know, America's team, they always overcome. They're always overlooked. They overcome all this adversity. They're not that talented. You know, you think of America's teams like popping up in March Madness, like Loyola Chicago that a couple years back or FAU just this past year, or like let's say maybe like the Detroit Lions of, of last year or of this year um, where it's like, you know, they're a fun team to cheer for. They haven't been good in a while. Uh, and here they are overcoming this huge talent gap to end up winning a, a ton of games. Um, that, that is not what is going on here. <laughs> uh, you, you guys are the number three ranked team in the nation, um, and have been found guilty of coming up with this huge sign stealing team scheme. Uh, and now you're America's team, uh, for cheating. That's basically just saying like the Astros, uh, that everybody should have been cheering for the Astros because they were cheating. <laughs> in 2017 like that that doesn't make any sense so um these guys are not america's team these guys are the villains um but they're playing this victim this victim mindset uh, i mean it kind of reminds me of like the boys uh this show uh, uh this guy homelander who like acts like he's you know the hero of of everything but in reality he's just a, a terrible person who does all these crimes, but then the second that people find out he does all the crimes, it's like um, now he takes on this mindset that everybody's against him, and now he just wants to take over the world because um, he's so mad. Uh, it it kind of sounds like a former president that we've had here recently too. Um, it's very QAnon-like uh, for for like just deflecting everything that actually did happen um, and just coming up with these theories and stuff saying that no 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 that it actually didn't happen and whatever um so yeah there's that <laughs> we'll see what happens uh with it obviously it seems like a huge scheme um that you know that 13 page letter to Michigan by the Big 10 commissioner Tony Petiti that that is huge uh and it seems like the NCAA has a mountain of evidence and and the NCAA is really the the organization that's going to lay down uh, the huge punishments and, and sanctions on Michigan football. I don't think too much is going to happen for this season, um, you know, other than this Harbaugh suspension thing, which like he'll be back for the, the big 10 championship if they, if they make it there and in, in the, the bowl games. Um, so it's really not that big of a deal, but uh, the NCAA is the one who could come down and hammer them and, you know, officially get rid of Harbaugh and, put all these recruiting sanctions on them and, and stuff like that. So um, it'll be a big off season for the NCAA and we'll see what they, they do with Michigan. Um, you know, there's also the other side of the Michigan fan base side where it's like, Oh, this cheating didn't really actually like, like we still would have won those Ohio state games without stealing signs, which I actually do find it hard to argue with that because I don't think the sign stealing made Cam Martinez, you know, just let up a seven, get torched for a 70 yard touchdown to, to Cornelius Johnson, um, which is a huge momentum shifter. I don't think Hassan Haskins running for 200 yards against Ohio state um, in that game was because 
Michigan knew the signs. I think that was just straight up. Ohio State couldn't defend the run, and Michigan's offensive line was tougher. Um, and I think they should have won those games um, anyways. But it's still the act of doing it. It's kind of similar with the, with the Astros, too, who, like, yeah, they won the World Series um, while they were obviously cheating. But it's still an extremely good team, and I don't think the sign stealing has too, too much implication on what goes on during the games, I guess, uh, as we can see with the Astros who continually make the World Series um, ever since 2017 without cheating. Uh, and and so, you know, it could be the same thing for Michigan here, but it's just the act of doing it is just what's horrible. And, and the the thinking, the amount of time and effort put into this scheme of just disrespecting your opponent, disrespecting the competition, disrespecting a lot of people by trying to to get just a slight leg up on the competition, um, but coming up with this huge, huge scheme. Um, yeah, that, that Harbaugh, I guess, doesn't know about. Let's also not forget that uh, <laughs> there was recently a a staff member on Michigan that got exposed for trying to meet up with a 13 year old guy and uh, try to buy him alcohol. Um, and then yeah, try to have sex with him. Um, so there's a pedophile on his team. And then there was also a, a, a computer um, guy who committed all these computer crimes of hacking into people's accounts, hacking into emails um, at Michigan. He was also on, Harbaugh's football staff, and now also this Connor Stallions dude, who seems like a total psycho as well. Um, and as a head coach, you're responsible for who is on your staff. Uh, and all three of these dudes were on his staff within the past year. Um, it's Jim Harbaugh, so are you surprised? I'm not. He's one of the worst people. Uh, you know, a ton of people say that. Some people have been around him say that he's he's just a terrible person. Uh, he had that really good run with the Niners that all of a sudden just ended. Um, and, you know, it was announced that they mutually agreed to part ways. Trent Baalke, the, the general manager, said that he was involved with a power struggle with Jim Harbaugh. So, I mean, this guy is always just trying to, you know, take over and stuff. He's he's really just a weird, weird person in interviews, too. Um, not very nice, but... Seems like he's kind of changed a little bit here in recent years, at least his his personality, but his his cheating and stuff like that hasn't hasn't changed one bit. So um, yeah, Michigan kind of embarrassing themselves with each statement, I believe, uh, as as they come out and say that they're dealing with all this adversity, even for cheating. Like you guys are not the good guys here. I I don't know I don't know I don't know what else to say. They're just. They're not good, um, but they're acting like they're overcoming all of this adversity, which makes no sense. Um, so, yeah, there's the whole Michigan thing. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. It's kind of a, a nasty situation and just all the, the, the dialogue back and forth uh, that I've been seeing, um, you know, between fan bases. Uh, it's just it, it just really reminds me of like election Biden, Trump, uh election stolen type of just ridiculous arguments um stuff like that so it's kind of nasty right now but um yeah we'll see all right <laughs> moving on off of that into 
the Denver sports. I'll just talk about these two teams for a little bit. Broncos Bills, uh, Monday night tonight kicks off in a little bit, uh, in like six hours or something. I actually do like this matchup for Denver. Um, I don't know if they'll win. I think that the, the they'll cover the spread. I think they'll make it close. The spread right now is seven for the Bills. Um, I think the Broncos end up losing like 27, 23, something like that. Um, but I do think this matchup works well for Denver. I think if it was at Denver, I might consider picking the Broncos. Um, and here's why. Because uh, I think just just based off of last game against Patrick Mahomes, who um, is a little similar with Josh Allen, you know, Josh Allen scrambles a lot more, but they're both big guys. Uh, they both know how to, to scramble for first downs, and they obviously have huge arms. Um, Denver's defense looked extremely good against Kansas City. They've looked really good uh, ever since the Dolphins game. Really, uh, they've been they've been playing well. They're getting guys healthy. Baron Browning is back and looking like a beast. Um, the edge rushers, I'm so excited about their future. Um, Baron Browning, Jonathan Cooper, Nick Benito. They're all just freaks of nature um, that I think could could give Josh Allen some problems. Uh, Nick Benito gave Mahomes some problems. He had four quarterback hits, basically playing like a spy kind of role on, on Mahomes. Um, and he did a phenomenal job with that. And I think if they do the same thing to Josh Allen, you know, put a, put a super athletic guy out there as the spy so that he can't do all this magical running around stuff um, just on his first movement, whether that's still, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, I think you, Benito can try to just go and attack him and he's got the speed and he's got the strength to keep up with a guy like Josh Allen, um, who's a freak of nature in and of himself. So I, I think the edge rushers will hopefully do a good job of, of containing Allen. And then the thing with the bills too, is outside of Stefan Diggs, nobody really can make plays. Dalton Kincaid has been good uh, recently, and he's kind of a guy that, that I'm scared about. But Gabe Davis, nothing to really worry about. They don't really have a run game. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's a super, super complicated, hard offense to stop, uh, considering you also have Patrick Sertan, who a lot of people consider is the, the best corner in the league. Uh, lining up against Diggs. And so, you know, you're hoping that Sertan can take away Diggs for, for most of the game and have Buffalo rely on their second and third wide receivers who just really aren't that good. Um, they're extremely Josh Allen dependent. It's basically just <laughs> just hoping that Josh Allen can make a magical play, uh, can make something out of nothing, can hit Diggs deep, can hit Gabe Davis deep once a game. Um and yeah, with the edge rushers for Denver, who I think have the speed and the strength to be able to contain Josh Allen, um, I think Denver's defense can kind of slow down this Bills offense. Um, I think offensively for the Broncos, I think they can also move it against the Bills. Uh, Bills have been dealing with injuries uh, on, on their defense, notably Tredavious White, their cornerback one. He's out again for the rest of the season. It seems like just pretty miserable the past like three to four years Trey White has just uh suffered these terrible injuries we're just out for the season basically so um basically haven't seen him play that much in a while uh and he's out again uh this week so 
I, I think you can attack the Bills secondary a lot. I really like their linebackers, though. So running the football might be tough um, against their D-line, who, who has been playing very well this year. And, yeah, their linebackers are phenomenal, too. Uh, obviously, Von Miller there on the D-line, too, as, as the edge rusher uh, can cause some create some havoc. Uh, I believe this is – trying to remember. I believe this is his first game against Denver, I think. Um, and so there might be, you know, obviously anytime you're going against your former team, especially a team that you've been there like 10 years, uh, you're going to want to play well again. So, um, he could be scary, but it's getting up there in age. He's not the same Von Miller that, that we're used to. Uh, so I, I think Russ in, in the passing offense can hopefully get some good things done. Uh, and then rushing the ball, the Broncos have been, have been, Good as well. I don't think this is a great matchup uh, for for rushing the ball, but you know it's kind of been their identity over the past couple of games. They had 40 carries against the Chiefs, which I absolutely loved. Um, and so, I mean, if you can keep, you know, if we can keep the ball in our hands, uh, keep the defense off the field, I think it could be a close game. So uh, I'm saying that they still lose, unfortunately, just because it's at Buffalo and it's still Josh Allen and just. It's just tough, man, to to beat that team, um, especially for for a team like Denver, who just consistently disappoints. So it's always hard to just pick Denver <laughs> to win. Um, but there's some there's some potential here. There's a chance that I think the Broncos could win. Nuggets, um, been a great start. Been awesome. Eight and two right now. They just lost to the Rockets, unfortunately. But uh, no Jamal Murray. Uh, and he, he won't be back until like the end of the month, but um, it it really doesn't even matter. Like <laughs> with basketball, like these dudes who are the end of the bench guys, such as you know Strother, Najee, so Gillespie, um, who are out there in the regular season. These are guys that are not going to play in the playoffs, and you're just gonna you know just kind of forget about these games in November uh, that really don't matter. So yeah, they lost. A uh, great look for Houston, who has won six in a row, and they actually look like a pretty good team finally uh, coming out of that rebuild. So good for them. But, yeah, uh, Nuggets still 8-2. and two. Jokic has been even better this year um, than in years prior for some ridiculous reason. I, I don't know how he keeps doing it, but he just keeps getting better. Through 10 games, he's, aver- he's averaging 30 points. 14 rebounds and eight assists. That is absolutely insane. While shooting 60% from the field, um, he's taken a lot more shots this year than he did last year, which I love to see. He's taken about 20 shots this year, which would be a career high by by two shots. Um, he took 18 in the, in the 2021 season. Um, so I, I love his aggressiveness, his scoring mindset. Uh, yeah, he averaged 24 last year. He's up to 30 right now. Um, taking more threes. Uh, there's still, you know, he can improve on his free throws. Uh, only shooting 75% so far this year, whereas all the other years he's been over 80. So I think that'll continue to to be better. And then his three-point shooting is at 33% right now, uh, and he's at 38% last year. So hopefully even those can start dropping. He's one for eight from three against Minnesota, so that 
no. <laughs> That's a big outlier of a game that, that really drops down his percentages. But yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> there's really nothing else to say about him. He's just insanely good. And this peak since 20, since the bubble, um, since 2020, up until now, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how many players are, are have been better than he has in this four-year stretch in NBA history. Um, considering the back-to-back MVPs, people know that he should have won MVP last year too. Um, considering the NBA championship, the finals run that he went on, the playoff run that he went on, uh, I can't really tell you if there's ever been a player that has been better for a four-year stretch, stat-wise, production-wise, winning-wise. Um, this peak could be one of the best of all time. You think Jordan, uh, obviously you think LeBron, Steph, uh, all those dudes have more than one, more than two rings, more than three rings. So uh, Jokic is going to have to, you know, stack up the championships to really put his name in, in, in those conversations. But I think if you just look at this peak of just these past four years, just a four-year peak, I don't know if there's a peak that's ever been better. Um, this guy is just, amazing <laughs> like his past three games 36 points 21 rebounds 11 assists against houston 35 points 13 rebounds five assists against the warriors 35 points 14 rebounds 12 assists against the pelicans um so he's just getting better and better with each coming year um still only 28 years old <laughs> it's ridiculous so yeah there's a little Jokic session and i think that'll about wrap it up uh, kind of short episode, but I wanted to talk about the whole Michigan thing um, and the Broncos. So let's hope the Broncos get it done. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the little rant, I guess. I'm an Ohio State fan, so you got to like take it with <laughs> a great assault, I guess. But it's just like all this evidence is just too obvious to like just think that they didn't cheat or like, I don't know how you can just be on Michigan side, especially after all the stuff that like playing the victim. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, they cheated and, and now they're acting like they're America's team somehow. That is Jim Harbaugh for you. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. See you next time.